Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV, episode number 407 for Tuesday, the 7th of July, 2015. Nice to see you. I'm Robbie. I am Sasha. Sasha, we have a jam-packed mailbag tonight, so it's time for a viewer question extravaganza. We appreciate you sending in your questions live at Category5.tv. Of course, join us in the chat room as well, and especially if you've got your questions into us, you want to be there just in case we want to bounce any ideas around. Absolutely. Now, I will tell you what's coming up in the newsroom. There are no IPv4 addresses left. MasterCard is testing a smartphone app that uses facial recognition to verify online purchases. Samsung is being taken to court in China over the software it loads onto its handsets. A company that sells surveillance software to intelligence agencies has been hit by a serious data breach. New Zealand is making cyberbullying a specific crime. And the Wand Company has announced the first, the world's first fully working wireless Starfleet communicator replica. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Starring Sasha Dermatis. Hillary Rumble. Krista Wells. Eric Kidd. And your host, Robbie Ferguson. This is Category 5 Technology TV. What are we looking at? I am looking at, first of all, I have a question for you. Yes. Maybe you can guess where Dreamweaver 909's hometown is. Dreamweaver 909's hometown. Yes. How would I know that? Because if you send in a postcard, if you're a hometown, then you get free vinyl stickers. And since we were giving away for the first five, now the next Ooh. three will win vinyl stickers. Let me grab you some of these. Dreamweaver909 is from planet Earth. Well, I could have guessed that. Are we purposefully Earth. being vague? Earthling. Wow. So I'll just... Maybe, Dreamweaver, you could have just like put an arrow to where on this planet your hometown is. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. I know. Oh, this is I like a... Uh, this is a postcard. A postcard, a.k.a. your ham radio card. That's cool. And uh, this comes to us from Dreamweaver909. Confirming OQSO with Cat5TV on the 29th of June. Fantabulous. There we go. You get vinyl stickers. I Wonderful. have I have vinyl stickers. I love them. I'd love to send you some. We've got some left. So, hey, all you have to do is send us a postcard to our new address. It's on the bottom of our website. It's on the Contact Us page. You'll find it all throughout Category5.tv. Thank you so much, uh, Dreamweaver909, for sending that in. I'm going to send you that. I realize, and I know that this is the case with, with Dreamweaver, is that... I had no idea. We live in a very touristy part of the world. Turns out people Turns come out. here and buy postcards. And we have not just one option. <laughs> it's, yeah, you walk into any convenience store, um, pretty much any s store that I can think of that sells potato chips has a rack that is full of postcards. In fact, in your hometown, you could probably buy a postcard of our hometown. Most likely. So you could probably just send us a postcard of Barrie. <laughs> People and are really front. having trouble finding postcards of their hometown, so you get creative with it. Um, Angel D. Rodriguez once sent us a postcard uh, that ha it was a picture of him. Yeah, well, my... That's cool, too. Take a picture. Print it on 4 by 6 and write on the back. My sister used to do that. Instead of sending us pictures, she would just take a picture, put a stamp on it, write right on the back of it. Turns it into a postcard. Just like that. Meh. All it takes is a stamp. Well, guess what? What? Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN and the International Association of Internet Broadcasters, which is cat5.tv slash IAIB. Thanks, Sasha. 
Uh, Linden is uh, doing their best to find a postcard. Found one at a fireworks store of all places. I can't find a fireworks store anywhere. They sell so fireworks. They sell fireworks in the convenience stores here too. Oh, do they? Yeah, you walk into oh. like uh, Giant Tigers one, for example. Oh. Fireworks at the front desk near the chocolate bars. For the impulse buy. Yeah. <laughs> As you're walking by, discount fireworks. Um, For bottle rockets late at night or it's something. It's quite legal here. You hear any time around July 1st, July 4th, you're hearing fireworks all the time. Yeah, those poor puppies out there. Everywhere. Okay. So, because it's going to be a crazy, crazy fast hour, because yes. viewer questions always go super right. fast, okay. yeah. I'm just going to push right through to it. And then eventually we'll talk about my Fitbit. Ooh. But... First things first, right. in the emails, there was an email from Good Guy, and he said this might be interest of interest to Cat5 viewers. It's a website that offers a free ebook daily in PDF, EPUB, Mobi, and Kindle format. Could it be true? It's free to registers. What? And when I clicked the link, see, I feel like the offer expired. It but did you got expire. A new one. I got a new one. So NH Hibernate Two Beginners Guide, which this so this free thing is. How to connect to the NH Hibernate Object Relational Mapper to your projects. Okay, see, blah, that blah, blah. makes no sense to us at all. But However, what happened just before the show? Before the show. So it, it was a countdown, and it expired exactly at 7 o'clock, which is hilarious. The ebook, the free ebook you could yeah. have downloaded, was how to create a Linux-based <laughs> email server. <laughs> Had you been here five minutes before we went on the air... Exactly. I guess it's, a, it's like a countdown. Um, this was. Uh, yeah. It's good to hear from Good Guy. Uh, for one thing, thanks for sending this in, Good Guy. I I just brought it up on my computer here. It, I guess it's a countdown of uh, free eBooks that you can download, and and each one. There you go. This one. So it's twenty four hours at a time. Right. So right now it's a particular eBook. Before the show, it was one about building a server. Which is kind That's of cool. awesome, right? It's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> And you never go wrong with a, a good free ebook. So there you go. I posted that link in the chat room for you, Category 5, uh, on Freenode. And uh, I'll post the link also in the show notes for episode number 407. Mm-hmm. You can find that at Category5.tv. We're in season 8. So that helps you narrow it down. <laughs> now, also from Good Guy, he's, he knows that you like M, um, Plex. Is it Plex? Plex, that you like? yeah. I love Plex, actually. MB. Like is a mild word. For my love for Plex. Okay, so MB is similar to Plex. In fact, is that an E M B Y E M B Y? So like M V, but M- with the stutter, or right? Something. Okay. So it's, it's MB sim- MB similar E-M-B-Y. to Plex. So it's something that maybe you might want to look into. Should we look into it? Okay, MB. E-M-B-Y. That's so crazy to say because I'm thinking the letter M B. Yeah. So if I pull it up. Well, if, you pull, if I you pull it up, emby dot, dot media. media, and it's cool. I mean, oh, server not oh, your yours is not found. I didn't I didn't type it right, Sasha. That's oh, why. oopsie, emby emby. See, I'm already messing up their name. <laughs> when you build a company, you gotta make the name make sense. That's Plex right. Plex is, I like the name better. I'm just kidding. Okay, so this is. I guess uh, another kind of multimedia service thing. I think where M- MB is, mm-hmm. is a bit different is perhaps it's open or um, I, I don't know much about it. Well, now we know. I don't. I just feel like it's these one, are two really good hints from Good Guy. You can get free books and uh, so watch MB. the question to Good Guy would be: Well, what's different about MB? Uh, mm-hmm. Plex is great. So why would I change from Plex to MB? Maybe right. that's a question for, you know, for, for me to answer, but I would have to ask that first because I've never used MB. Right. Plex is fantastic. I love, uh, especially now with Unraid 6, having, and, and Unraid 5 had it as a plugin, but now it's a Docker app as well. So Plex deploys as a Docker app, a, a Docker container. And so all of my devices on my network, right. including my Roku devices, my Amazon Fire TV, my computers, my smartphones, my tablets, Everything connects to Unraid and is able to stream the video. Okay. So all of our shows, all that stuff is available to us. I feel like that is excellent That's very because excellent. I have MB's same thing. Right. But 
why would I, who has a working Plex server, what is the difference to me? Mm-hmm. That's the big question. Anthony was watching the episode yeah. where we were, um, the interview with Unraid. And he Great has a question. Yes. Episode 403. Episode 403. Mm. So, following episode 403, Anthony has been trialing the product and Great. has been very impressed. Of course. So, yes. <laughs> you tried it. You're going to be impressed. Anne says, however, I switched over to Linux a few years ago and was disappointed to see that the only installation options for Unraid websites were for the Fruity OS or the Redmond favored variety. So I watched the latest episode of Category5.tv last night and was pleased to hear that you intend to do a follow-up episode specifically on Unraid 6. Can you either now or at a later date cover if it's possible to get an Unraid up and running from a Linux box without first having to create the bootable memory stick on another platform? And which Hmm. hard drives, makes and models would you recommend for an Unraid server? Thinking Western Digital Reds, but would welcome your opinion. Okay, one of the let's hit that one real quick because that's an easy one. Uh, as far mm-hmm. as drives go with Unraid, one of the beautiful things about Unraid Server is that the drives. I hate to say don't really matter, but it's true. I've got a couple of IDE 500 gig drives in my in my tower that are old. I've got um, a couple of newer drives, uh, SATA, I've got, and they're just random drives. It's just whatever mm-hmm. I had laying around. Unraid is kind of built for that. As far as repurposing, uh, uh, repurposing, yeah, that's the word. Yeah. Repurposing <laughs> old hardware goes, Unraid is brilliant for that. So you can take a stack of old drives and pop them in and it's good. If you're buying new stuff though, then you need to look at the, it's really a use case thing. So if you're building an Unraid 6 server in order to do real-time gaming mm-hmm. um, ver- or video production, things like that, then you need to look at, okay, well, maybe I need to look at an SATA, uh, or uh, pardon me, an SSD cache pool, for example, using ButterFS. So you can put two SSDs as your cache pool, and then you're going to have extremely fast write access to your array. And then it's just gonna it's gonna move uh, the mover um, script is going to move the files off of the SSD onto the slower spinning drives later that night. Um, so if you don't want to do that, if you don't need the cache drive, you just need to look at okay, well, do I need really fast drives in the array? Mm-hmm. Is it for storage versus live streaming? Um, I tend to use all 7,200 RPM disks. If you need faster than that, you can look at 10 10k or 15k drives. Um, if you don't need that, then 5400 is fine. It's so, you, you, you can just mess around with, you can yeah. pull stuff out. If you put in a drive and it slows down your, your access, you can, you can actually say, you don't even have to pull it out and replace it. You can actually say to the array, okay, I only want to use that drive for documents. It's mind-blowing how simple that is. Yeah, you can have six drives in there. Uh, two of them are really fast. And the rest are really slow. And you can say, okay, those two really fast drives, those 15K drives, the SAS drives in there, those are the ones I'm going to use for video streaming. And you actually set up the array, uh, the shares, to use those drives for that purpose. You can specify that. And then you use the slower ones for other stuff, like documents and pictures and stuff that doesn't need a lot of throughput. So really, what drive you buy is... Get a mix. Save yourself some bucks and, and think of along the lines of, okay, I need um, you know, this amount of storage. Use our Unraid uh, capacity calculator at unraid.category5.tv to give you an idea as to what you're going to see as far as the capacity goes when you put in those drives. And it's a complete mix. So unlike the traditional RAID where you need exactly the same drives, you mm-hmm. can just mix them up. They don't have to be the same capacity. They don't have to be the same speed. They don't have to be the same brand. They don't even have to be the same bus type. I don't know what bus type is. Uh, the the plug the, that you use to plug it into your computer. Okay, yes. For example. Okay. So there's SATA. Okay. There's... IDE is the an older standard. There's, uh, you know, you, I mentioned SAS. Um, it could even be, uh, you know, you could have some external USB drives as a part of the array if you okay. really wanted to. It would work. I wouldn't advise it because then you're looking at the limitations of 
of USB, but right. the whole idea is that it doesn't really matter what you throw at it. It's, it's going to work. It's going to be a mix and match sort of situation that will work for the... That's fantastic, yeah. yeah. But okay. uh, the first part of his question yes. has to do with the Linux situation. Yeah, okay. So that, that has to do with the fact that Unraid, as, as an operating system, we'll say, so mm-hmm. the, the operating system that runs that that drive array is going to be running on a flash drive. I don't have one handy, but a USB flash drive, you know the things. And, and so you install it on there. It's Linux. You install the bootloader. It's pretty straightforward to do if you're on Windows or Mac. And the instructions on the website are going to be Windows and Mac. So if you actually head on over to lime-technology.com, lime dash technology.com. That is the website that has to do with Unraid. So what we can actually do is we can download it. Mm-hmm. You get a 30-day free trial. And so let's see, version-wise, okay, we've got a 64-bit zip of 6.0.1. Notice the numbering. So that's 6.0.0, 5.0.6. So I want the latest and greatest, 6.0.1, and then I open that file. Would there so. be any reason why you would ever pick something older than the latest one? No. If you have a 32-bit system, then, then I would go. see going... Notice the difference there. Um, just quickly, you see it's I386, right. 5.0.6, whereas 6.0 is 64. Okay. So it's actually 64-bit. So if you have only the capabilities to have a 32-bit operating system, then you may have to go with an old version. Okay. See, Unraid, as they have progressed, have realized through polls in the forums and everything, about 97% of people have a 64-bit compatible processor in their computer. So right. th- to have a 32-bit operating system on that computer is underutilizing the hardware. You may have more than 4 gigs of RAM in your server, for example. A lot of, a lot of us do. Uh, so if you're running 32-bit, you're going to lose out on some of the benefits of having more RAM, as right. well as the six, you know everything that comes with a 64-bit architecture. So, yeah, on an older system, really old, that doesn't support 64-bit, then you'd go to an older version. Mm-hmm. Incredible, though, that you could still use Unraid then. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And in fact, if it ever becomes the case that uh, that the old versions are no longer available, uh, you'll see on the download page there's actually a, a mention that, hey, if you need an older version than what we show here, because we're not going to list all the versions we've ever released, but if you do need an older version, email Tom and he'll get it to you. It's as simple as that. So they're great over there. So let's hop on over to the download because it's done, and you'll notice that there are a couple of different things here. Uh, there's a makebootable.bat, that's for Windows, and there's a makebootable Mac. Now, the bat file is going to be, obviously, it's, it's for Windows, right? So it's, it's using Windows, uh, DOS commands structure. Um, what's going to be a lot closer to us is going to be Mac because Mac is, of course, uh, Unix based, and you'll notice that. It's much more like Bash. Is it even a Bash script? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. See? It's a Bash script. So this will not run on our system as is for a couple of different reasons. First of all, hey, if the distro is not Darwin, which it's obviously not, it's asking, you know, is it running on Mac OS X? No. So it's not going to be the case on Linux. But we can use this to get an idea as to what it's actually doing. And you'll notice, let's see, okay, so it makes a directory called syslinux. Uh, one of the things, if, if you follow through the installation instructions, is that the drive has to be called, labeled, unraid. So first things first, you've got to format that drive and give it the label unraid all uppercase. That's step one. We know that it uses syslinux in order to, um, to actually create the bootable system. And you can kind of follow through this. And I think, you know, in the course of today's show, I'm not sure that we can actually do this. Right. So I'm more pointing you in the direction so that you can maybe figure it out if you're fairly Linux savvy. Um, but when we, I like the idea, and I think when we do the actual Unraid 6 demo, we're just kind of ga- accumulating the hardware to do that and working with the guys at Lime Tech to, to figure out what we want to do. Right. Um, then, yeah, let's, let's actually walk through. Let's do it on Linux. Um, the thing about syslinux commands is that, well, it's kind of in the name, syslinux. Mm-hmm. Even though the installation script is for Mac, right. syslinux is the tool that's being used in order to do the install. 
So if you follow the same command structure, notice now if I type syslinux, I'll bet you I'm going to get, oh, I actually get it. Huh. Okay, there you go. I wasn't sure if I needed super user do. You may need it. Uh, but syslinux is a command on your Linux box, so you can actually replicate some of the, the commands. So let's look at what it's actually doing. Uh, really, a lot of this is just testing, checking to make sure that it's called Unraid, making sure that it's in a that there's a flash drive there. So if you mount your flash drive, then you can all right uh, copy. It wants to copy uh, syslinux to the drive, and then to continue, please enter. And what does it do? Uh, syslinux make see that the final command is in the syslinux make bootable mac.sh. So that's the file that we actually want syslinux in our file that we just downloaded from Unraid, make bootable mac.sh. This is going to have the commands that are uh, actually telling Mac how to install this distro. Because Unraid is technically a distro. Mm -hmm. Okay, So it uh, checks, okay, so it unmounts, remounts. A lot of this stuff, again, is just figuring out whether the user has done things correctly. And then here's, oh, look at this, dd, again. We're familiar with that, right? So if we if we've confirmed all this stuff, and you can read it plain text, you know what are we doing? We're mounting and unmounting. Uh, so it's pretty simple. So the first thing it does is unmount the target. What does that do? Let's go up. Unmount target does unmounting the disk because it needs to DD, right? So DD, and then copying that mbr.bin, DDing it to the out file of target, which you will specify as dev slash sd uh, whatever. Uh, SDB or S, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming you you know a little bit of that kind of stuff. And then here's the command: syslinux dash f dash dash install, and then your target drive. Right. So it's it's all pretty straightforward. So the commands are there. You just gotta kind of pick through. I almost I'm very very tempted to like put together a Linux Bash script. Ooh. Should we just do that and just send it to the Lime Tech guys? Because it'd be so easy to do technically, right? Um, <laughs> Are you creating more things to do, right? I know. Like, yeah. I need more things to do, right? So much free time. Yeah. Maybe you'll just create a bash script. Can you, can you follow along with that, though, and just see that mm -hmm. the Mac end of things is actually really, really close to the Linux end of things? And when you realize that DD is also a Linux command, SysLinux is also a Linux command, where you're going to run into... Problems though. I just this is just mm -hmm. a, a final thought here. Why won't this script run? Well, if it's so similar, but look, there's commands like diskutil, which is a specifically Mac thing, oh, right? Okay. So this command says, okay, diskutil unmount disk force. So where me on Linux, I'm going to say sudo umount for unmount. Right. They forgot the n. It's short, Space, they left it out. dev, slash, sd, whatever. So you're just going to tweak those commands a little bit. But the, re the real stuff, the DD and the syslinux, the stuff that installs it, that's there. all part of Linux. Yeah. So if you've got the files, you can do it. You can do it. Yeah. Great question, Anthony. Thanks, Anthony. Um, I have a question before the news from yeah. Blue Nose Guy. So, hey, Blue Nose Guy. Blue Nose Guy has questions about battery backups. All right. So, says, hi, guys. Love your show, what you do, and you're all pretty tech savvy. Even Sasha, which... Way to go. <laughs> this is why we're reading this question I right see. now. Yes. She's <laughs> oh, just like, let's just full let's, stop right there. Okay. And that was the end of the comment, actually. Thank you, yeah, Blue thank you, guy. Blue Nose Guy. I wore blue just for you. <laughs> no. um, I wonder if you have or could do a show about battery backups. So maybe that can happen soon. The specific questions that Blue Nose Guy has right now is uh, figuring out how much battery power you require for a backup, judging the length of time said battery would run specific equipment, and the pros and cons and dangers, if done wrong, of building your own battery bank. Um, there's loads of other questions, but those are the ones off the top of his head. You know, I've never, ever thought to make my own UPS. That, to me, just sounds like a lot of work for a little payoff uh we did a show uh episode number 201 where we looked at the green power ups's that we use here at the studio why we chose that um, check out episode 201 if you want to learn more about it um essentially mm -hmm. i you know what i tend to just go by the box right a little bit y you need to make sure of course that you're not pulling too much 
ampage from the UPS. You're not going to plug a laser printer into a battery backup, for example. Right. uh, Because the fuser assembly is going to just kill the battery. Um, So that's not a good idea. So you just want to make sure that your UPS is powerful enough to handle the amount of watts that the computer draws. And if you're not sure about that, uh, you can get a device called a kill a watt. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sure you can actually get those through our links, category5.tv. You'll see the uh, support us and affiliate links. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to our Amazon link for your local region, so we've got Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, .co.uk.es.jp, everything is there. So um, please do utilize those. Kill a watt. Such a Great name. <laughs> it's a cheap little device. And what what it does is you plug it into your power outlet in the mm-hmm. wall. Then you plug your computer, your you know what, plug a power bar into it with all your computer peripherals. Right. And the kilowatt will tell you how much power your computer is actually using. So for the 17 bucks that you spent to get that device, you're going to reuse it because it's going to help you save money because it actually calculates out for you too how much your devices are costing you based on so. the... Um, cost per kilowatt. So you would use this tool if you wanted to figure out how much battery backup you would need. Yeah, if you want to get that specific, it will tell you how much power, how much draw your computer and its peripherals are taking. Right. So then you can take that into account when you look at the boxes of the different UPSs that are available and say, okay, this one has more than enough. You want to make Mm -hmm. sure that it's more than enough, not just enough, because there are different variables such as, you know, computer put a CD in the drive, what happens? It spins. Mm-hmm. Well, it wasn't spinning before, so that's more draw. Right. So those kinds of variables and things like that. So, uh, so you want to take that into account. But I would say go that route. A battery backup would only be necessary in the case of a power outage. Is this the thing, sort of like a generator? Or why would you use a battery backup versus just plugging things in? Very good question. Um, think of a, a surge protector. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we tend to think about power surges as the only risk to our equipment. Yes. Computers are very susceptible to fluctuations in power, and we all are mindful of the fact that, hey, if we get hit by lightning, uh, it's going to spike the power. It's going to go up. Right. So where we're normally expecting here in Canada about 117 volts, suddenly it goes up to 400, we fry things. So right. our computer will no longer work. What we don't necessarily take into account, so surge protectors help us against those kinds of problems, the spikes. Mm-hmm. What they don't protect against are the drops. Right. Especially, especially the ones that don't cause a power outage. A power outage will shut everything off. Right. Could cause damage, but chances are pretty good it's a clean it, kill. Like it. Yeah, killed it. Um, what really hurts, you've, you, I'll give you an example. You turn on the microwave or the hair blower, what happens to the lights? Oh, that weird, like, yeah. yeah, buzz, brownout so, sort of thing. Yeah, it's kind of a brownout kind of thing. So just using that as the example, it happens all the time. I mean, somebody hits a pole out front with their car, and the power is going to do that. Not necessarily go out, but go down. Mm-hmm. So you go from 117 to 90. Now it's a completely opposite problem that your surge protector is not going to protect you against at all. So your battery backup would fill the void. So the battery backup kicks in and says, I'm going to pump a clean 117 volts to this system while we're at 90. That's perfect. Yeah. So it protects you from both the surge and the drop. Okay. This leads me to one more thing and then we'll do the news. Okay. Okay. So... Leland has a comment talking about a great source for predicting communication interruptions. Before you change any settings, check with spaceweather.com. Interesting. My guess is that has to do with solar flares. Solar flares could cause those kinds of drops in energy as well. So right. So nice segue, Sasha. Pull that. Let's uh, yeah. Let's check it out. Okay. So that was spaceweather.com. Mm-hmm. I got to see this. Interesting, I think, for photographers, for example. Uh, Leland, I, I think this is a great resource for... And there, there you have it. What have they got right on their homepage? It's photography, right? Uh, because if you know what's coming... Uh, look at like getting to see meteor showers and things like that. If you know what's coming as far as space weather goes, then not only can you 
know that you need a UPS, but also snap some pretty sweet pictures, maybe some time lapse or video or something like that. Good idea. Good idea. Okay, we're going to head over to the newsroom. I know Sasha's got some interesting stories for us tonight. So after the, sh- uh, after the newsroom, we're going to be talking more, uh, digging back into that mailbag. And we've got, uh, I'm looking at Sasha's screen here. We've got a ton of questions, and we really love receiving those. Get in the chat room, Category 5 on Freenode, and uh, also send your questions to live at Category5.tv, and we'll do our best to get those in. Over to the newsroom, here's Sasha. It's Tuesday, July 7th, 2015, and here are the stories we're covering this week. The time has finally arrived. There are no more IPv4 addresses left. MasterCard wants to make authorizing transactions as easy as a selfie, but security researchers warn that facial recognition technology has proven weak in the past when it comes to security. Samsung is going to court in China for installing bloatware on their phones. Hackers have stolen a ton of data from a surveillance company that provides services to intelligence agencies in a number of countries. New anti-trolling laws aim to prevent cyberbullying in New Zealand. And your nerd buddies will be delighted when you answer a call on your brand new Starfleet communicator Bluetooth handset. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories from the Category5.tv newsroom. Remember how it used to be news that the internet was running out of IPv4 addresses? Well, it took a while, but that day is here now. Asia, Europe, and Latin America have been struggling to meet demand for a year or more now, and now the Aaron waitlist has reached the U.S., Canada, and a number of North, Amer- North Atlantic and Caribbean islands. Only organizations in Africa can still get IPv4 addresses as needed. The good news is that IPv6 seems to be picking up for the slack, which is great. Aaron, the American Registry for Internet Numbers, has now activated its IPv4 unmet requests policy. Until now, organizations in the Aaron region were able to get IPv4 addresses as needed, but as of Wednesday, Aaron was no longer in the position to fulfill qualifying requests. As a result, ISPs that come to Aaron for IPv4 addresses, address space have three choices. They can either take a smaller block, they can go on a wait list in the hopes that a block of the desired size will become available at some point in the future, Or they can buy addresses from an organization that has more than it needs. Aaron says that they have a little under 500 small blocks remaining, but that they handle 300 to 400 requests per month, so they expect that they will be completely sold out in the next couple of weeks. So, Robbie, I'm just I'm confused by the IP address situation. You buy in blocks, so you buy a block of the sure. actual numbers. Yeah, I think where uh, where it can be confusing is as consumers, we connect to the internet, we get a single IP address. Mm-hmm. But what you need to realize is that your ISP, your internet service provider, has to purchase them in mass quantities because each of their users have an IP address. Well, who assigns that? The ISP. But the ISP has to buy them from Aaron. So if there are none available, how does the ISP now purchase IP addresses for their, for their customers? Right. That's where it becomes a problem. So that's why IPv6, is, uh, which has been slow to ad- be adopted but is becoming more and more prominent, it's really the only method that we have left at right. this point. I- yeah, I guess I always assumed that there was just an unlimited number of IP numbers because sometimes I would turn on my computer and it would have flipped IP numbers. So I would have thought that there was just, sure. you know, a whole it's lot of It's certainly not unlimited there. because it is, uh, I mean, it's 3.3.3.3 3. 3. 3. digits, right. right? So there's only between, and it, it's only, um, you know, let's say it's from 100 to 254 of each of those numbers it's it's really not lim it's it's quite limited i'm not sure what the actual numbers are but well h- here we are 
with every every household has its own you know phones and everything everything's got its own I, I, ip address well luckily for this this story there's a solution that's already waiting Ooh. so now mastercard is testing a smartphone app that uses facial recognition to verify online purchases users in the trial can hold their phone up as though they're taking a selfie to approve transactions mastercard security expert aj bala says the new generation which is into selfies i think they'll find it cool <laughs> Great cool. sales pitch. Cool. <laughs> That's awesome, dude. Yeah. That guy, the guy on the screen over Sasha's shoulder, I you'd think never know he's actually buying a boat. He thinks he's cool. He thinks he's cool. <laughs> security experts, however, are warning about the lack of security provided by this approach, citing Google's use of the technology and the problems it encountered in the early days. Ken Monroe is a security researcher at Pentest Partners, and he said people realized you could take a photo of somebody and present it to the camera and the phone would unlock. Google admits its facial recognition is less secure than a pattern pin or password on the website for one of its devices. MasterCard's app thinks it has the solution, asking users to blink to prove they are human. Oh, but, <laughs> but even this has been spoofed in the past. Monroe said, people took photographs and animated them, drawing eyelids on. There have been advances in biometrics since then, but they're not quite there yet. Two-factor authentication may be the best answer. Monroe says, ideally, I'd like to see facial recognition used in conjunction with a pin. Both systems have flaws, but work brilliantly when you combine them. That does make sense to me. Facial recognition and a pin means that somebody can't just steal your pin and fake that they're you, right? I mean, you could have a doppelganger that can fake that they're your face. Like, excuse me, ma'am, I believe you're wearing my face. (laughs) But if you don't know my pin, then that's okay. You could take my picture, I guess, and know my pin. There's there's no foolproof way, but the fact is that they need to find more secure ways and and simply using facial recognition i mean i think about watching you on the news what's to say somebody wouldn't just use the video of you right video i'm never i'm never blinking again never blink (laughs) because that would prove that that you are a human and then somebody could purchase a boat with my face (laughs) i guess i could purchase a boat for somebody else using my face that'd be awesome Samsung is being taken to court in, <laughs> and in other news. Yes. <laughs> Before I give you all ideas. Samsung is being taken to court in China over the software it loads onto its handsets. A Chinese consumer protection group launched the legal action over the default apps or bloatware found on Samsung phones. It said many people did not want the software and added that the firm made it hard to remove the applications. The Shanghai Consumer Council also filed a similar case against Chinese phone maker Oppo. Results from a study carried out by the council said that a standard Galaxy Note 3 could contain 44 pre-installed programs that could not be removed or were hard to disable. One Oppo phone tested by the council was found to have 47 apps that could not be uninstalled. Frustrating. The legal action aims to make the two phone makers put in place systems that let people remove the apps easily and warn them about what they get when they buy a new phone. Phone. I love this because I have a <laughs> phone that has apps that I don't want. I can't uninstall them. I won't tell you what kind of phone I have, but I would like... Is it, is it a Samsung, Sasha? I, I, yes. It's a Samsung. And it has <laughs> a ton of apps that I that came pre-installed that I just I only use my phone for specific things. I don't need a myriad of different applications that are just taking up space. And battery power too. Right. And all the resources of having those things in there. Mm-hmm. I mean it's smart of them to put, you know, the apps sure. on there for people who are just not willing to take the extra steps to disable them. I've been able to disable most of my apps, but I can't uninstall them. So Now, a company that sells surveillance software to intelligence agencies has been hit by a serious data breach. Hackers said that they have penetrated hacking teams' international website or network and stolen more than 400 gigabytes of data. This was confirmed by hacking team engineer Christian Posey, who tweeted that the criminals would be found and then arrested. His message later vanished as his Twitter account was deleted and the company's website also went dead. 
Widely shared online, the stolen data includes a list of the countries that have bought hacking team's main surveillance tool, DaVinci, and emails suggesting intelligence agencies use it to spy on activists and journalists. Lists of passwords and login details for client sites were also revealed. The hackers first published stolen data, including internal files, email messages, and software source code on hacking team's own Twitter account, having first changed its name to the hacked team. Although their software had been popular with intelligence agencies in many countries, the question is how many would continue that relationship given that it had been so seriously breached. The hack shows just how vulnerable we all are to data breaches. If anyone should have been able to prevent an intruder from compromising their files, you'd think it would be the people who sell spy software that steals other people's files. It's true. The hackers have been hacked. Wow. So, I mean, in truth, this just means protect. I mean, if they if they can have their their data stolen, really anybody could without proper diligence. I think they're they're going to be a, a target specifically. So it's you know there's the certain safety in being just a number, but you know they're specifically a company that is spying on people and selling that service to governments and and agencies, and you know as more and more is revealed about what was stolen and released, it's becoming more and more kind of ominous. And I don't even want to get into it because conspiracy theories are going wild right now with this. But yeah, I mean I think that you know you would you would run that risk of being a target to be a company doing that kind of thing for sure. So, but how safe should they be? Should they not have had a better infrastructure? Uh, to, huh? mm. Realistically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there you go. Now, no other spy agency will have such flaws, you would assume. <laughs> <laughs> New Zealand is making cyberbullying a specific crime. The country's harmful digital communications bill has been approved by Parliament last week and is expected to come into effect on Monday. It means people could be fined or sent to prison for using deliberately harmful, threatening, or offensive language. An agency will also be set up to work with firms like Facebook, Google, and Twitter to remove the content. Tech companies will be expected to ask authors to remove a post before taking it down themselves if it has not been removed within 24 hours. Critics say the law is too broad and could limit free speech, but others think the threshold for prosecutions will be high. The guidelines add, just because the the content expressed in the communication is in bad taste, controversial or unpopular, and may cause offense to individuals or or a specific community, this is not in itself sufficient reason to engage the criminal law. Posts must be more than banter or humor for prosecution to go ahead. I like this. I think it's going to be commonsensical. Like, I think that they won't limit free speech. I think it really will be a bullying, an anti-bullying tactic. Sure, and I guess I w- where, where the fine line is, is people would be concerned that this is a step toward that infringing on free speech. I think it's, it's honestly quite sad that we're at this point, that this has to come into place. And there are other laws out there that protect users from... You know, by roundabout ways that aren't really written in stone, protect people from cyberbullying or trolling or whatever you want to call it. But what New Zealand is doing is actually specifically calling it this and saying this is illegal. Let's put a stop mm-hmm. to it and training law enforcement at a huge expense. Um, I guess it. You know, w- wouldn't it be a good idea to educate the people that are doing because. How do you how do you charge somebody that just thought that they were, you know, saying a mean thing? I mean, we get it all the time on YouTube or something, and so you delete those posts. And I feel sorry for those who are on the receiving end, who maybe don't have the the confidence to just, you know, whatever and delete yeah, it. But, but I feel like you should like in this day and age, it's hurtful. I think that sure. people should even have to deal with something like that. Why don't people just have the dignity and respect for other people to not bully and to not say mean things? There has never been a time in my life where I think, you know what would be great? Belittling another person. Sure. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I think we take for granted that we have such a fantastic community here at Category 5. 
and everybody's you know friends with one another and we all get along and and if we ever get any trolls they're from the outside people right. who aren't familiar with us or don't know the show uh that's usually how it happens and so you just tend to okay kick that person from the chat room and it's no problem right and mm-hmm. everybody is on the same team but why is the internet such a place that we've got to be on the defensive all the time youtube is the good example where you know you're just constantly bombarded with trolls and i really feel sorry for those who are on the receiving end mm-hmm. well at least new zealand is doing something sure right now this is the best news story of the week ah. made in response to countless requests from star trek fans all over the world the wand company has announced the world's first fully working wireless starfleet communicator replica Sweet. Yeah. The Wand Company's Star Trek Original Series Communicator is the most accurate replica ever made, designed using the first ever structured light 3D scans taken of the Alpha Hero, Hero prop. Crammed full of advanced technology, bringing new levels of action and immersion for Star Trek fans of all ages. The handheld blah, 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 the handheld communication device is constructed of pressed metal, die-cast metal, machined aluminum, and textured ABS to replicate the original prop perfectly. But this one's for real. It pairs with your mobile phone over Bluetooth. It's a cosplayer's dream come true. Pre-orders are happening right now on StarTrek.com for just $150, and the product ships in January. And I bet you now nice. that I've said that in 10 seconds, it's going to be sold out. Everybody's going to be up there. Just like Robbie, that. Robbie, look at you. I know. Right? Ah! I'm ready for it. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. Even I, as like a Star Trek fan light, I would like oh? one of these. Like I, I, would, I think that there's nobody that has ever seen Star Trek that wouldn't love to have that device. Sure. <sighs> yeah. I, on the other hand, am the guy who, as soon as you mentioned Star Trek, just happened to have a Starfleet communicator within arm's reach. It's That's so, who I am. It's so cool. <laughs> I've been saying it for years. I thought, you know, why don't they make these into Bluetooth little communicators? They can make lamps that you touch and they turn on. So mm-hmm. that, you know, this is the original series one is step one. Next step, next generation. Then into, you know, Voyager and DS9 and... And on and on and on. I know. It's it's (laughs) amazing. Big thanks this week to Sparkly Balls, Roy W. Nash, and our community of viewers for submitting your stories to us. If you've found a new story you'd like to send, email it to newsroom at category5.tv. For all your tech news with a slight Linux bias, visit the category5.tv newsroom at newsroom.category5.tv. For the category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. Thanks, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Sometimes I forget that her screens are my screen. But we're back to the chat room. I am watching you there. Good to see you. Can I wear this for the rest of the show? Is that, is that Absolutely cool? you yeah? can. Okay. Can I just say that if In you... In honor of Star Trek. If you do submit a news story, I will absolutely say your name online, Sparkly Balls, or live. I will say it. So thank you. That is not a challenge to make up obscene names. Oh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) What's funny is that at my work, we have a toy chest for kids who come in and they they get a free Sunday and a free toy. And the girl who went to the store today to buy the toys bought rubber sparkly balls. Like just like bouncing balls. And of course, yeah. Yeah. So there you go. I should have brought them in. Look at the (laughs) impact you've had. So. Sigh. Sigh. I am going to get right back into some more viewer questions. Oakley, Oakley. So, let me just... Viewer question from Orange Man. Hey, Orange Man. Let's see what this is. Okay, so it's a link. Watch this link, Robbie. It's through YouTube. Can you pull that up? Let me see. All right. While you're pulling it up, I'm going to say... PS got internet provide to give infinity. It's a very fast down speed of 70 megabytes per second. Oh, fantastic. Yes. So you've been able to upgrade your um, your internet service to something yeah. half decent, 70 megs. That's yeah, great. Yeah, something great. 
<laughs> says you can drink a coffee when the download download files blinks and it's downloaded the old oh and it's downloading so much better than the old speed it was at point three three megabytes per second you were at point three three mega megabits i would megabits. presume yes. per second even though you said megabytes and now you're getting 70 megabits perfect that is substantial my friend how wonderful is that? Uh, I've sent us a link here that is uh, why Linus Torvalds doesn't use Ubuntu or Debian. So we'll have to take a look at that. Maybe I'll, I, I can post the link. It's on YouTube. Uh, but that, there's your search query. Um, there we go. Boom. That's what Orange Man sent us. So, and I'll post that in the, the chat logs. Or in the, not the chat logs. Of course they're there. The show notes for episode 407. 407. That's where we are. Um, Dennis Kelly would like to know... Hey, DK. What are the advantages and disadvantages of using NFS to share files and folders in a complete Linux network? Is Samba a better setup? And if so, why? If the NFS is better to use, is there any good tutorials to set up? Uh, Okay, so it really comes down to... Okay, you're calling this a Linux network. Mm -hmm. So I understand you're probably using... Linux. So NFS being the Linux alternative to Windows SMB, Samba. Right. Um, Samba, of course, is available on Linux through the CIFS package, and that is basically an open implementation of uh, Microsoft's Samba protocol. Um, So they're different protocols. Um, They both, I mean, they both work really well. I honestly, Dennis, tend to use Samba only because Sometimes I'll plug in a Windows system, and I want to be able to easily navigate to my server. Um, so Samba is just the logical choice. Where does Samba fall short? I guess technically NFS would have to be uh, a little bit faster. I don't know if in practice you're going to notice a difference, though. Um, so when you're setting up your NAS, for me, I, I just go with Samba because of the, the usability. Samba does a little bit more talking. Okay. So uh, uh, to give you an example, here's a, a lovely sticker. Um, so if you hold that. Okay. So to, to put it into comparison terms, so NFS, which is the Linux protocol for sharing files over a network, she's the server, I'm the client, I want that. So all I do is I go, that's NFS, okay? Samba, on the other hand, says, Sasha, can you hand me that? Thank you. Oh. So in reality, there's not a a whole lot of difference and when it comes down to the bits and bytes of it you're probably not going to notice a difference but that's really what it's what it is samba being microsoft's proprietary protocol and uh, cifs being the linux implementation of that but you can use it on linux you can use it on mac you can use it on windows so i opt for that just for the usability end of it nfs is a little bit trickier to get working on other platforms Mm -hmm. thanks for the question great question Now, before we move on to any more questions, I just want to say quickly that um, if we have helped you at all during this episode, any episode really, if we've answered any questions for you or just generally inspired you, if you like my badge, if you or you like my newsroom, um, (laughs) then go to Patreon.com and can I go there and can I say thank you to those who have become our patrons over the past week we just announced it last Tuesday let's bring it up patreon.com just like it sounds Mm -hmm. but there's the spelling all right type in category five into the search or categ and it'll probably come up there you go category five tv network and you'll see that we've got uh eight patrons giving twenty dollars on our Patreon profile. It's so great. Now, another way you can donate to us is in our tip jar, which is at to- uh, donate.category5.tv. But this Patreon thing, it's, it's, it's the bee's knees, really. It really is the cat's pajamas. I like it a lot. It's pretty cool. Um, uh, so you just give a dollar an episode. Mm-hmm. So the cost of a cup of coffee, maybe a little less than a cup of coffee, um, to sit and watch a show once a week. It's an hour-long show, and... It helps us pay the bills. We have rent and we have, you know, pressing needs, printers, you yeah, know, ongoing. We almost didn't get to print today. Mm-hmm. The, the loaner printer that, or the, the temporary interim printer that we got had, a, had an issue. But I got it working. 
Yeah. That's cool. Which is good, or They're else I would just be these. sitting here with nothing to say, just blinking at the camera. I also, we, it's hard to believe, but season nine starts in just a couple of months. Mm-hmm. That's hard to believe. But, and over the course of the next year, I really like to be conducting more reviews. We've got Sasha's show, Try It, Buy It. We love it. But what do we got to do? We have to buy products for me to review. Now, I have bought products that I love. What and do you got? I have a Fitbit. <gasps> I have Are we going to hear about this? Yes, I'm on, going to do an I'm going to do an episode on it, but nice. I have to do like a little preview of just letting you know how much I love this device. Absolutely, it tracks how many steps you take, how many calories you've burnt, the distance you've how many walked. Calories? Yeah, you you can download either onto your computer or onto your smartphone the corresponding app. You can input in any food that you've eaten and I mean, it, you put in your body weight and it calculates... This is this thing on your... It just looks like thing. a watch yeah. band. I don't know if I can cycle through this <laughs> in the most <laughs> awkward way. Them. So yeah. that's the time. Okay, and then the time. Uh, that's how many steps I've... Can you see that very well? It's Adam? upside down, I guess. Okay, so... No, it's not upside down. Oh, okay. 11,020 steps. 11,020 steps? Right. Today? Uh, today. So that works out to about seven kilometers. Now, the best thing is with this device is that you can link up with anybody as long as they also have the device and an email address. So I could get one and challenge you? Exactly. And you could see that I only walked 100 steps today? Exactly. The equivalent of 10 feet. Or maybe like <laughs> Songbird or Sparkly Balls or Dreamweaver 909. Like if you get one of those on Amazon.com with our affiliate link. Oh, yeah. Go through our website, category5.tv. And then we can be friends with the Fitbit and you can challenge me and I am super stubborn. So really what you would be doing is becoming my taskmaster. You'd probably just be laughing and be like, I'm not actually walking at all. I'll just so challenge Sasha. What, what do your Fitbit friends see? Like, uh, obviously I'm going to see if I'm being competitive with you. Do You don't do, see anything but the steps. The steps. Right? So okay. I see in my own personal um, dashboard page, I see my steps, my distance walked, my heart rate, mm-hmm. um, how much sleep I've logged, any extra, extra exercise I've done, um, calories in and out, and my weight, because I also have the corresponding scale, which I will also review. Nice. Um, so I see all of that, and it's graphed out in an easy-to-read graph. But um, you would see how many steps I've taken. And how often does it update? So how often do your friends know they know they can know instantaneously. Instantly? Yeah, so, so if I see that your steps have dropped off, I can assume that you're sitting still. Exactly. Okay. Like for this hour, anybody who's really checking will see that I haven't done anything walking wise <laughs> this this one particular okay. hour. Sounds cool. I, I'm trying to lose a bit of weight and I'm doing that through watching what I eat mostly. Mm-hmm. But this sounds like something that I could use to help me to track the progress right. as far as physical fitness goes yeah dave my boyfriend got one that's better than mine the next step up so mine is the charge heart rate he has the surge which is a handy watch feature as well he's lost seven seven pounds in two weeks just by because he's so also competitive and aware right so the other day he went golfing but he didn't rent a cart he walked the course because you want the points right basically exactly it's like points it's like turning your Neat. entire life into a video game would it work for a bike like if uh, i were to bike to work the surge works for bikes this one you'd okay. have to actually program in that you are biking after the fact which oh, is still okay, okay but yeah. Yeah. Cool. it is you can definitely get it amazon so go to our affiliate links click your Amazon link, and then get a Fitbit. Let I'm me know. I'm sorry that it's so roundabout. It's really simple, though. It's Category5.tv really. is our website. When you go to Category5.tv, support us. Affiliate links. You'll see Amazon. Yeah. And then buy a Fitbit. How expensive are they? They're a little bit on the pricier side. Okay. They're about $200 for this For one. a watch that makes me... If I lost seven pounds... Right. I would say that is a gym membership. Mm-hmm. It, I, I would I mean, be pleased with that. It is a lifestyle change it creates. Yeah. If you commit to it, and you can't, no, it's on your wrist. I mean, there's not a lot to commit to. <laughs> so, it, I mean, it's a really hmm. great purchase. I got mine for my birthday. Nice. So, so you know, ask your... My birthday's coming up, folks. Yeah, there you go. 
There, that's where your <laughs> Patreon uh, funds will go. <laughs> Robbie will come not in quite, with a not flat. Quite. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> hey, well, if it gets us closer to the review on your show, then hey, it's it's worth it, right? Excellent. That's all Try the time it, that we have. It. Hey, thanks for sharing that. I look forward to seeing the next episode of Try It, Buy It. We've got actually some really cool reviews coming up. Um, not all tech gizmos. We've got uh, everything from uh, backpacks made of recycled water bottles. Environmentally friendly and waterproof. How do you like that? And all the way up to uh, things that will save you money, like binoculars that are really powerful, but maybe a third of the price of what you would normally pay. So Try It, Buy It is going to be smashing over the next year. Uh, Rocking. We're just working on getting there. So <laughs> we've got all of the other shows that we're working on. So well. thank you so much for your interest and support in the meantime. So just know we're, it's going to happen. And thanks for being here on my show, Category 5 <laughs> Technology TV. Episode 407. 407. Eight years running. Oh, holy Hannah. Thank you so much. This is a great viewer extravaganza. There's lots of lots more questions that we can tackle. Yeah, thank you everybody for sending them in. Have a fantastic week and we'll see you next Tuesday night. Thanks, Sasha. Thanks, Adam. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the show. Category 5 TV broadcasts live from Barrie, Ontario, Canada every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern. If you're watching this on demand or through cable TV, check out the local showtimes in your area at Category5.tv and find out when you can watch live and interact in the community chat room. Category 5 is a production of Prodigy Digital Solutions and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution 2.5 Canada. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. 